Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I am your host, Mike DiStefano, and joined by my co-host, The Zoobs. What's going on, buddy? Uh, we're going to spend the day talking about goaltending rotations again, so it's going fine. No. <laughs> no. The good thing is, is that Babcock actually finally came out and said something about why he does have... The rotation that he has set, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. Uh, but first, we got to discuss what just went down last night, and that was Columbus with the four-three overtime win over the Leafs. Uh, the Leafs now not doing too like I don't know what it is about the Leafs this season at home, but they cannot win in their own barn. Yeah, like they're just not getting it done. They've collected only eight of a possible fourteen points through the first seven games uh, of the season on the road uh, when at home. And that is not a recipe for success. No, no, it's been, it's been, you know, tonight they came out flat and they, you know, it, they paid for it. If they had, if they had come out a little stronger and started a little stronger today, or, you know, it, it's easy to see that being a, a game where they, where they skate away with the win, but they weren't ready to go and it cost them. And that seems to be a trend with this team, honestly. Like, they're just, time and time again, they're giving up the first goal of the hockey game. And when you get down by one early and even by two, like they were tonight, it's so hard to come back. I know the team's super skilled and they are able to, like, they were able to come all the way back tonight, but then just couldn't complete the comeback and when they lost in overtime. But, like, they've got to do something about these slow starts. I don't know what it is, but especially at home when you're playing in front of your own fans, you should be energized. You should be ready to go, but they're just not, and I don't understand what's going on here. Yeah, I, I wish I had an answer. You know, uh, I think Ugh. it's it's too easy to say it's the coach. that It's the player's job to be ready, to, to show up and be ready, so you can't you can't throw this all on Babs, but, you no. know, they, they there's too much talent in the league to put yourself on the back foot that often and now you know they're it's a back-to-back it's it's another tough game tomorrow so you know there's no rest and and there's no time to sort of screw around and and wait to get comfortable in a game they got to be ready to go from puck drop and I don't know how many times we're going to say that this year hopefully not many more but (laughs) boy oh boy a lot of times off the off the stop off the top of the season it seems to be a very much a recurring theme to put it lightly yeah what uh, what about tonight's game specifically jumped out at you? Uh, well, the Matthews Marner pairing off the start was brutal. They were terrible. Uh, really soft. They lasted. Yeah. Really quick. They lasted. I I just took a quick peek here. They lasted less than ten minutes into this game. Yeah, and deservedly so. They, they were... started together. They were they were dog shit. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, they were terrible. Yeah. They were terrible yep, together. Just to sum it up, yeah, especially <laughs> on that second that goal. goal. Yeah, honestly, I, I thought, and that second goal specifically too, um, that was that was a bad goal by Matthews. Like he he can't get out worked like that in the corner by by Dubois. I under like Dubois is not a small guy. He he's a he's a thick dude as well. But like Austin Matthews, you're getting paid. Eleven point six million dollars. You are six foot three, two hundred twenty-five pounds. There's no reason for Dubois to be out muscling you to the puck and then breaking out in front of the net and just pushing you off with one hand as easy as he did. That and 
the defensive deficiencies of, of Matthews are really starting to be criticized now, if you notice. And, and it's plays like that where people are saying, like, yo, this guy really isn't getting it done in the defensive end. You know, what? what is the issue here? Why can't he just click when he's playing on the defensive end all the time? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. They, you know, the, the line smartened up, and eventually they did. They came out on top uh, in terms of their performance on the evening as a whole. I think it grades out, but to come out of the gate, just really sloppy, really soft play. Like you said, it. there's there's no reason. Dubois is a good player, but there's no reason to get out-muscled on that play. Just a really soft in the corners, and I don't know. There was a, a couple things tonight that, that didn't look great. I thought, uh, you know, I thought Kapanen. Uh, was okay. Uh, nothing really great. You know, Capitan uh, was okay. I thought Andreas Janssen was pretty well. I thought I thought it was another good... I actually really liked Capitan's game. Yeah. I like Jake Muzzin tonight as, as well. I, th- I thought Jake Muzzin played really strong. Uh, they needed that from from somebody, and, and he sort of provided it. He made, he made a good play on one of the goals. Uh, I think a strong game from Muzzin, strong from Kapanen. Uh, with some just some some big blanks out, out, out of the out of the gate, you come out of the gate a little sharper, and this is probably a three-one win. Oh, definitely. The, the slow starts is what keeps killing them. It's like their Achilles heel this year. The second that they allow a goal or two, it's hard for them to to make it up, and that happened again this year. Uh, the other thing too, this team, I don't know what it is, but over the past few games, and really, it's kind of been all season. They're taking too many penalties. Uh, I just went and, and checked because it was something that Mike Babcock talked about in his post-game scrum. Just the amount of penalties that they're taking is absurd. I was like, well, how many could they possibly... 13 penalties in the last three games. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that against uh, any team in this league. No, let alone Washington, Boston, and then, well, I guess Columbus. But they did score a power play goal. The game the game time goal was on the power play. Yeah. So that's something, too, that that's really kind of hampering them as of, as of late, the fact that they are just spending too much time in their own zone trying to kill off penalties, and that's something that they got to clean up. they got to start being a lot more disciplined and uh, play harder. Like a lot of the penalties too, like tripping, holding, you know, hooking, all this stuff. This is because you're just you're getting outworked and you're getting outplayed. You know, like these are bad penalties to be taking. These are penalties where they're being drawn on you because you're being out outmaneuvered by the other team's player. You know, you, you just got to, as Mike Babcock would say, hunker down and get to work and, and just skate hard and play better, essentially. And that, that might mi- mitigate some of the penalties that they're taking. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And use those big asses. We heard. <laughs> <laughs> Explain that for those who did not hear this more uh, yesterday when he was talking about that. Uh, Mike Babcock going through what he likes about, I believe it was Timoshov and Trevor Moore. What what his favorite things about those guys is that they have big asses and they use them. Which listen, facts are facts. You got to love a big ass when it comes uh, in handy like that. <laughs> yeah, I learned a couple of things. A couple of things about uh, Mike Babcock recently, and one that he is a big fan of Sir Mix a lot. Uh, <laughs> Must be his favorite tune. Uh, well, let, let, the Blue Jackets as well. Let's not go. Let's not just talk about how you know the bad that the Leafs had. The Jackets actually played a pretty good, sound game as well. True. And I thought that the goaltender Jonas Corposalo was unbelievable at times. 
Uh, and at crucial moments, too, I thought that on that power play in the first period, the Leafs were getting a lot of good puck movement, and they were taking their shots. I thought they had four or five grade-A chances, and Corpusalo was able to stop every single one of them. And uh, I, I thought that he was just fantastic throughout the night, and he got rewarded with the win at the end of the day, too. Yeah, well-deserved. Um yeah, maybe against a lesser goaltender, maybe the Maple Leafs take this game 5-3 or 4-3. Uh, he robbed Matthews on a couple. I was really impressed with him as well. I think that's I think that's a great a great call and a great eye. And after that first burst, uh, and when the Maple Leafs came back near the end of the second first period, when they tied it up, uh, Columbus played really well in the second period. They really they really dragged it out. It was low event. Uh, they really made it sort of a slog and tough to generate anything against. So credit to the defense and, and credit to Corpus Allo, but still think that was a game with the better start uh, that probably should have gone the least way. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is going to come up later in uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but what was your take on Babcock's line matching there in overtime? Didn't love it. Didn't love it, you know. Uh, wasn't great. How costly was it? Uh, it's hard like, to it's hard to say because it ended up being a penalty shot, right? The it ended up being a bit of a soft call that ended up deciding the game. They they could have survived it, um, but ultimately, like, there's just so much skill on the Maple Leafs roster. Uh, there's enough skill that you shouldn't be line matching. You should be able to dictate the tempo and dictate what happens because you have more talent on the ice. I don't think that it's a, a team that ever really needs to worry about line matching, especially three-on-three. And that's the problem right there. Like, you nailed it. This team should be able to drive the offense, drive the play, especially at three-on-three. And when you're worried about line matching and making sure that you can try and slow down the other teams, like, why? You want to be going full tilt. It's three-on-three. You want to have the puck in the offensive zone anyways. So why not just put out your best players, your best team, like, at any point? It just... It seemed to really have garnered a lot of buzz too on social media. I don't know if you went and took a look, but did, after yeah. the game, I was like, I was like, oh, okay. So everyone, it wasn't just me. Everyone else saw that, and I was just like, all right, good. So everyone's on the same page. Babcock, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's a couple things. It's it's a couple things we're seeing lately, and they're starting to slowly add up. That just just some of the Man. ways that he's in his ways. Uh, <sighs> tough. They're tough. I'm. I'll be honest with you, man. I, I I think he is on the hot seat. I think he is seriously on the hot seat. I don't think that's crazy. Like, if if they go another few weeks down this trend where they're off getting off to slow starts, um, they're they're losing games that they should be winning. Uh, he keeps making you know these these simple coaching errors we talked about the game against against Washington where where I give him my ugly because he had so many bad errors in that game as a coach when it came to either line juggling or line matching or not calling uh timeouts at the right times or at all for that matter like he's he's really starting to um I think really get on the nerves of I mean he's been on the nerves of a lot of t- Torontonians at least the results were coming the last few years, and they were winning games. They're not winning right now. Like they're they're including overtime under five hundred. Yeah, or five. They're a five hundred team right now, including the overtime losses. Like five, three, and two. With the the amount of money that they're spending on a the coach, 
and B, the roster, and the skill level that they have, this is not a team that is 500. They He needs to pick it up, or Sheldon Keefe is not that far away chilling over at Coca-Cola Arena. Yeah, and that and that goes back just further beyond than just the start of October and the beginning of this year. If you go back to the, the beginning of the 2019 calendar year, they've been hovering exactly around. Exactly where you're going with this. 500. So, yeah, it's starting to become a larger and larger sample size of a very talented team not quite seeing that result match up. Did you see that stat that it was like last week, so it's been changed up a little bit, and actually Edmonton might be ahead at this point now, but it was something like uh, Toronto had one more regulation win than the Edmonton Oilers in the entire 2019 year. Yeah, incredible. Excluding playoffs, obviously. Like that's that's the how like this team like at this point they're just not getting it done for sure. And at what point does Mike Babcock get blamed for it? Like how long do you let this go on where everybody just sits there and hates on the Edmonton Oilers, but at the same time, over the course of 2019, and we're only what we're two months away from it being over, and they've produced just as many wins as as the Edmonton Oilers. Like they they got to pick it up. They really have to pick it up. I'm, oh man, it was just it was a bad loss, and it's just so upsetting. Mm-hmm. It's so upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my rants, my rants over. Let's uh, let's move on and let's let's rant some more as we chat about the good, the bad, and the ugly from this game. All right, welcome back here. Uh, Mike DeStefano along with the Zoobs. We are a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Locked On Leafs. All right, a 4-3 overtime loss for the Leafs. Losing to the Columbus Blue Jackets. What was the good, the bad, and the ugly from this game? I think the good, I'm ready to give uh, to Jake Muzzin. I thought he was a warrior tonight. I thought... um, you know, things could have really spiraled out of control there with a slow start and, and some chances. I thought he was uh, really solid in the back end, uh, driving play, playing tough. I think he's everything you want out of a big-minute defenseman. I, I've said that a couple times already this year, but uh, I thought he also made some great instinctive plays in the offensive zone. I thought a good overall showcase of his skill on what could have been a very tough night. Uh, I'm going to give mine to Kasperi Kapanen. I thought that he was excellent tonight, actually. Uh, he got the scoring roll and got the comeback on route when he scored the shorthanded goal. And it, it, the name of the game for him is speed. When he's allowed to go in there and, and with so much speed and just play an offensive game, I think that's where he's most comfortable, and that's what he did here tonight. Because even after scoring that shorthanded goal, he almost tied it up with another opportunity later in the game on a two-on-one. I think it was with I think it was with Marner. Um, where he wasn't able to capitalize on, or no, he was on a breakaway. Sorry, uh, where he wasn't able to capitalize. But uh, just take a look at the the Corsi numbers. There, he led the team with seventy three point three three, eleven chances for, just three against. While on the ice at five on five, so uh, Kasperi Kapanen was driving play, had a couple of really good opportunities, uh, and was able to bury one shorthanded. And although the team <laughs> they've been shorthanded a lot lately, as we talked about previously. Uh has done a pretty good job of of killing off some penalties. He's got two goals on the year, both of which shorties. So mm-hmm. he's uh 
he's doing his. He may not be playing uh, at his best five on five, or, or hadn't up until this point. But he's he's not allowing that to affect his penalty killing abilities. And that was one of the things that you know. Remember early in his career when he he was sent down to the Marlies, that was one of the things that they sent him down to learn. And that's why I'm kind of excited about Sandine as well. Just kind of break off on that really quickly. You know, the reason why they sent him down to the minors wasn't because he wasn't good enough, because I think he is better than, like, Martin Marincin. But it allows him to play in other... Uh, a, it gives him the minutes that he needs, and B, it allows him to play in the special teams that he wouldn't otherwise be able to do up here in the NHL that allows him to develop into more of a full-rounded player. And I think Kapanen, it's showing that that works if you kind of overripen your guys a little bit, but give them that special teams time in the minors... It could pay off eventually down the road, and we're seeing that with Captain. But he had a really good game. Good, good great picks there. Great picks. <laughs> uh, what was bad? There was a few bads, but what what do you have? Uh, bad. I'm going to go with the uh, the penalties. I, this could just as easily have been the ugly, but uh, you sort of nailed it, especially the one. Uh, the one on Goche to allow the game tying goal, just a needless slash, just not close to being a, a useful play. Uh, the hook in overtime, yeah. a little soft, but you know when you lose on a penalty shot, the penalty that gets you there is trouble. Um, just not good enough. Lazy penalties, like this is sort of you sort of called it earlier in, in the episode, but like penalties that suggest they're being outworked, penalties that suggest they're not being where they need to be and doing what they need to do and just the lack of discipline uh you just can't do it in the modern game the teams are teams are too good power plays are too good there's too much skill on the ice uh, even no matter who you're playing against so i uh, really didn't like the penalties really thought it was indicative of the overall performance on the evening where you know in a vacuum they probably just as easily could have won that game handily with a better start and with more discipline uh, but just didn't weren't willing to do the things right that to, to do what it took to win the game and and I think that was indicative in the discipline. Uh, for myself, I, I just the start the start it was a bad start. You allowed two goals in in the opening five minutes or five minutes and change, uh, and now you're chasing the game from there. Like they gotta they gotta start starting better. Um, so that's why I just I picked the start. Yep. It was bad. So that, that just fit like a puzzle piece. <laughs> totally. All right, next up, we got ugly. There was some ugliness in this game, but what do you have as one of your most uglier moments? See, I had the start as the ugly. I think I think because okay. it was what cost them the game in my eyes. I know that they came back and tied it up after the after before the end of the first period, but if you don't fall into that trap, if you don't fall into that hole early on, giving up another goal in the first five minutes... I don't think Columbus has the the horses to skate with this team for a full 60 and it, it really can't help but come away from this thinking that should have been a three nothing win. Like it should have been with, with the combined things, the discipline in the start, there's no reason to give up any goals in this game. They were, they're, they're a better team than, than Columbus and you know, Babs before the game saying, imagine looting the first game and then going into the second game tired. Well, here you go. It's exactly what it would look exactly like this. It would look like a team that wasn't ready to play either game. Uh, I better hope we better hope that they bounce back and are ready to go against Boston because it's already a team looking to get some revenge for what happened on Saturday. So 
Uh, yeah, the, I, I'm giving the full ugly to the start. I thought it was just just bad enough to, to cost them the whole game and to take them out of it before they can even really get started. Yeah, fair enough. Like, I, it was it was a bad start. They got to get better uh, going forward. They got to get get their legs under them a lot earlier. Uh, for me, it was it's kind of unfair to call this one ugly, I guess. But just to be a little different, the refereeing the past few games has been brutal. Like, I I know the Leafs won the last game, and and this one they were right into it until the very end. But honestly, I thought that the the refereeing just hasn't been very good. Um, the, the Leafs have been caught on a couple of bad calls so far or a couple of calls going the other way that haven't been called. And I mean, if you think the, the, the penalty shot, which I found super weird about how that kind of all went down, the penalty shot was awarded when they said that Marner put his hand on the puck in the crease, and then they showed a replay and it showed that he didn't. Anderson got to the puck first. But the penalty shot was awarded because of that, and that's what it was stated. But then after the game, it was switched to a hooking call, uh, again, by by Marner, I believe, uh, on, uh, who was it, Gus Nyquist. Yeah. So it's just, I, I, A, I thought it was, I guess it was a bit of a, a bit of a slash and a hook to the hands. He did get it, he did get it in there a little bit. So I guess I can't be that upset with that call. But did he have enough space to call a penalty shot? I don't know, cause I, you know, for for it to be a, a penalty shot, I think it's got to be a pretty clear cut breakaway. And I think he only had maybe like a stride on Marner. And at first, it made sense when they called it hand on the puck mm-hmm. penalty shot. That's an automatic. But then when you look at the replay and you see that he's not that far off from, like it's literally like a stride of a difference. I just very ticky tacky call to to do a penalty shot. Especially in overtime, when a goal, one goal ends the game. I love, I love fired up Mikey tonight. I love it, man. Honestly, I was so, f- oh, just so upset about that. <laughs> just the whole game, man. Just from the start, down early, and then just not playing well, and then, oh man. Well, good news. You, we get to talk you, about Boston team. next. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah, we'll 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 talk about the Bruins on the other side. Oh, the big bat Bruins! Uh, they were just in town, and we somehow were able to get a uh, a victory without John Tavares and uh, a pretty good win. I they didn't play their best, but sometimes you get to win games where you don't play your best. That's that's how you. Make the playoffs, to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tomorrow, as part of a home-and-home, home, they'll be in Boston taking on the Bruins. And Michael Hutchinson to start. Yep, part two of a back-to-back against a division rival in a game that matters a lot. And Michael Hutchinson is going to start. Yep, I mean, listen. That's the, that's, that's the, that's the facts. That's that's gonna be the facts. The West, as long as Mike Babcock is the coach, that is the facts. Hutchison will play the second half of back-to-backs, which means if you're going to the game on Saturday, least Canadians, guess what? You're getting Hutchison. Like we talked about it earlier, the seat is getting warm. It's not hot for me yet, but man, the little things are starting to pile up where it's just like. There is some logic that I am failing to see, to put it politely. How about that? Well, and they're, like, they've lost both games 
And if they lose tomorrow, that's three straight games on the on the second night of a back to night back to back that they've lost. Yep. So it's not working. And the whole thing about being a coach is being able to adapt and change on the fly. Well, Babs, obviously your goalie rotation isn't working. Uh, you, you lost tonight, and you now are in a worse position tomorrow because you got your backup playing against a more uh, uh, a better team, and they're playing, and he'll be playing behind a more tired team, yep. his own team. Yep. Like it's it's he did have rationale. He he spoke to the media yesterday because everybody always wants to talk about the reason, like his goalie rotation, and he finally opened up about it and gave his rationale. So I'm going to uh, quickly just kind of go over that quote. Um, so this is what he has said when asked about, you know, his his goalie rotation. He said, quote, Can you imagine if you lost game one and then you went into game two tired? I don't know. The investment makes no sense to me whatsoever. All yeah. right, so you've lost game one. We're now in that situation where you've lost game one. So... This is where this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Because then you went to game two tired. So now is he expecting to lose game two? Well, if you lose game one, won't you at least be stoked and think to think like if you lose game one, you still have a shot on game two with your better goaltender? Like this seems opposite to me. Like I feel like he's what he's saying here. Like, can you imagine if you lost game one and then went into game two tired? The investment makes no sense to me whatsoever. I feel like what he's trying to say is actually helping the opposite argument. The way that I'm reading this. 100%. Like, if you lose game one, now you're playing game two tired? Yeah, all right, so you lost game one. Now you give yourself a better chance to win game two and at least come away with some points. Well, now you've lost game one, and now you're going to game two. You might go 0 for 4 on your back-to-backs. Like, (sighs) Mike... (laughs) Come on, come on, guy. I know. Give us, a, give me something. Uh, it's <laughs> and and we, I think we've made this point before as well. But how are we supposed to ever know what we have in a backup goalie if, by that same logic, every single time you see the backup, he's always behind the more yeah, tired team? How are you ever gonna know what you have out of the goalie? He's he's never got a chance to show what he can do in front of. The team at 100%. It, it is defeatist. It's loser talk. It's backwards. It especially is exposed when you get into playing a better team and playing divisional teams. And, you know, we're early in the year here, but you're going to get down to a point at the end of the year where you're counting every single point and you're going to look at these divisional games and say, how did they compete against the Bruins? How did they compete against the Canadiens? How did they compete against the divisional teams and it, the answer is going to be that they played the backup goalie in some of these games and just because that's just the way they did things it, it's ah ah we're both so upset over exasperated <laughs> like just too upset man all right let's stop talking about that let's 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 just move on a little bit and talk about the rest of this game i, I believe tukarask is going to end up getting the start after yara halak Got the start here in Toronto. Duke Raz going to get the start at home. Um, so just coming off of a, a, a 4-3 win in overtime, you know, because we didn't actually get a chance to talk about that game, was there something that you picked up on that you think 
factored into the Leafs actually winning that game that if they can replicate tonight against the Bruins, maybe they can go and grab two of two against the Bruins early in the season. Well, to go exactly against everything we just mentioned, you have got (laughs) to credit Babs for throwing a curveball in this game and giving the Bruins a look they probably weren't ready for with Marner Matthews together. We know it didn't last very long. They were quickly ejected when it came to the game against the Blue Jackets, but it caught Boston off guard, and they were a great line. They played well, uh, and it it worked in their favor. I thought uh, I thought it was smart, and I thought that's what we look for. That's why it's so frustrating when other things don't happen that seem like they should happen because. When they do throw curveballs and when they do come up with new ideas, they sometimes work like gangbusters. Well, you're calling it a curveball. I believe I legitimately yes, made yes. that exact. <laughs> like I said, this would make sense. Why? Why don't we try this? This just makes sense. You got a top line that, like, essentially, that's their only line is that top line. Um, so why not go ahead and load up your top line and then go at each other head to head, see who wins. Like, when they have nobody else on their team scoring, mm-hmm. like, I think they have two or three players with more than one point, like, other than the the, the, the big dogs, other than the top three, I think they have, two, like, uh, Corrali. Who else has more than one point? I think Sean Corrali and Danton Heinen and Tori Krug all have multiple points, and the rest just one point or still pointless. Like, their depth is doing nothing. Nothing. So I think, again, the key to the game is going to be to shut down that top line. And I will be curious to see if, you know, right from the get-go, if he starts off Matthews with Janssen and Marner, um, just like kind of that's that's when the game started shifting in the least favor last time was when that happened and they started playing really well together. But for some reason, I don't have faith that that is how <laughs> things are going to go. Like, now, that being said, I actually thought that the Matthews-Nylander-Janssen line played really well tonight. Absolutely. Uh, but it, but you're playing a different team. Boston is a different team than the Blue Jackets. I think that when you look at matchups, I think that that top line, like a hero line, for lack of a better term, with Matthews, Janssen, and Marner, matches up a lot better with Boston than it would have tonight or than it, than it did uh, last night against Columbus. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's bang on. Uh, three keys to this one. I already said one. Got to shut down that top line. Yep. Uh, what's another key to the game? Uh, I think the depth. I think we know part of the the key to beating Boston on Saturday was goals from Kerfoot, goal from Timoshov. Uh, you got a goal from the blue line out of Marner. Uh, points from guys like Mikhaev. I, I think that very depth we just touched on uh, has to be an advantage. It has to be, there has to be some goals from line three and four. We need, need needs to be punishing when the Bergeron line is not on the ice. The Leafs have to be the better team during those periods. Uh, and for myself, let's say the third key, cliche, but a 60-minute effort. Yeah. This team, too often, how often do we say, oh, you know, 
they had a bad start or it was like, oh, they, you know, the first five minutes were, were bad, but then they poured it on in the second half of the, of the first period. Then they kind of had a lazy second, and then they had a really good third. Like, that just happened. That seems to be the case. First five minutes of the game, they start out slow. Then the next 15 minutes of the first period, they pour it on. And then they come out of the second a little lazy and lackadaisical, and then the team ends up getting right back into the game. And then in the third period, they kind of take possession back and kind of take the momentum back. And that just seems to be how the games have gone. It's like a pattern at this point, honestly. Mm-hmm. So if you could put forth a full 60-minute effort against one of the top teams, not only in the division, but in the conference and in the league, it's an important two points, and you want to get those as early and as often as you can. Um, and that's what they got to do tonight against the Bruins. Full 60-minute effort, that's what it's going to take. Good call. Uh, Good call. Predictions. Oh, boy. Any prediction for tonight? Uh, You know what? Give me the same score as Saturday. Give me 4-3 Maple Leafs. 4-3 for the Maple Leafs. Um, I don't don't think I am as happy-go-lucky as you are about this matchup. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm tiptoeing into this one with, you know, they're a little little embarrassed by what happened against Columbus (laughs) and a little embarrassed by Babs's comments about the backup goaltending, I expect uh, a little bit of fire. I mean, I, I hope you're right. I really do. But two reasons for me in the, of why I'm going to go ahead and, and go with a... I'm going to go with the score that I thought originally, 4-2 Bruins. Two reasons. A, it's on the second night of the back-to-back. B, actually three reasons. The goaltending matchup of Tuka Rask and Michael Hutchinson... And C, you're playing at home. You're playing the Bruins on the road. That's going to be a tough game going into their building. They're going to play you hard. And on the second night of a back-to-back, you got a hard-hitting Boston Bruins team. That's tough. That's tough. They're going to they're gonna weigh you down, and eventually they're going to just score. And, uh, yeah, 4-2. That's my prediction for Fair the enough. Bruins. Fair enough. So we'll see. We'll see who ends up being correct. I hope it's you. <laughs> I just, I've lost faith, man. I feel like I yeah, have lost you're faith broken. for the time being. You feel like a, you sound like a broken man after tonight. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I didn't I didn't like the, the the game. I really didn't like the game, and I haven't liked what I've been seeing lately. Uh, it just this isn't a 500 team, and that's what they are right now. And they're, they're they look like it. They haven't really outplayed anybody of any significance to show me otherwise. I, they got that win in overtime against the Bruins, and that was great, but they didn't... Like, I thought that the Bruins actually played better than the Leafs did. Like, the Leafs had their moments, and they capitalized. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I thought that Boston had a better all-around game. Um, it just... I don't know. Something's got to happen. they got to turn something... they got to turn things around, and they got to play more consistent. I think that's what it is. Like, to show the flashes that they're a really good team... But the Leafs just aren't consistent, and they're not putting forward full 60-minute efforts, and it's really starting to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us here today. I'm, I'm sick of ranting. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Sick of ranting. So game tonight, puck drop, 7 o'clock. I believe it's on uh, TSN for those Canadian listeners we have. It'll be probably in Nesson if you are in the States. Uh, but that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And follow Zoobs at the underscore Zoobs. Be sure to check back in tomorrow. We'll be recapping the Bruins game. We'll see who was right, Mirror Zoobs. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.